0: As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray for illumination. Holy one, your word is a lamp to our feet. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and strength to follow you on the good path you set before us. In Christ, amen. Our first scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Mark. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Holy wisdom, holy word.
1: Thanks, Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for your presence among us, for the holy word of your scriptures in ancient days, and for the ways it has been felt in worship past and present and will continue in the future. Remind us of how blessed we are this day to start our week in your presence and to prepare ourselves for the days ahead. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Several years ago, David Brooks published a book called The Road to Character. It is full of real stories about people who spent time and effort in forming a significant life. Dorothy Day, Samuel Johnson, George Marshall, Bayard Rustin, these are some of the individuals who are mentioned in that book. Some of the names might mean more to you than others. The stories have a common thread. The road to character is a long and a challenging one, but it is worth it. We see it through these various individuals who learned something significant about life through periods of self-examination or struggle or difficult things they learned about love, (coughs) always through some form of challenge or testing in life. This morning's Bible story, the readings you heard from Matthew and from Mark, might be quite at home in that very same book. At first, these stories seem like the stuff of fantasy, but on closer examination, it is very much a story about the world in which we live. This story is about the power of temptation and the power of greed, It is about the dangers of idolatry. Idolatry, which means centering your life around the wrong thing. And it is about getting lost and finding your way again in life. All of those things are part of this story, and I could go on and tell you about others. It's a very rich text. In this story, the basic idea is that Jesus goes to the wilderness to prepare for his ministry. He takes the time and accepts the challenge to grow into the spiritual person God created him to be. So let's look closer this morning. We are in the midst of a sermon series called Becoming Jesus. In this series, we are looking at stories from early in Jesus' life and ministry. Stories about how he prepares for his ministry. Last week, we looked at the only account we have of Jesus' childhood. In that story, we saw that Jesus was not some all knowing God child, but that he grew and increased in wisdom over the course of his life. This week, we look at a similar idea Jesus was not born a spiritual giant, but he had to go through a process of preparation and struggle a process he would continue to renew throughout his life and ministry. As we look at the story, we'll stop for some short detours to explore some of the the specific things going on in the text. And I want to start with what happens immediately before this story begins. So this is a Bible story that is told both in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark. We read both versions. And in both of these texts, the thing that happens immediately before is Jesus' baptism. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in his baptism, and it says that God is pleased. And then, immediately, it says that the very same Spirit that descended on Jesus in his baptism sends him out into the wilderness. Matthew's version says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. Mark, whose language is often more direct, says that Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. So in this story, God is making it clear that there is something in the wilderness that Jesus must go and do. It will be essential for his development. He cannot do without it. And it is a good thing for Jesus to have this experience. It is God's Holy Spirit that drives him out into the wilderness. But then, there is this thorny issue we must talk about that comes up next. Waiting for Jesus in the wilderness where God's own spirit has sent him is the devil. Mark's version draws on a Hebrew text text referring to him. I'm sorry, Matthew's text draws on a uh, Hebrew term calling him the Satan. Now plenty of us, myself included, are not sure exactly how we feel about hell or traditional depictions of the horns and the pitchfork and all related to the devil. Is that really consistent with the God of grace and love we talk about here all the time? So let's put this in some context. The Satan, the devil, who is mentioned in these texts, is part of a tradition we see spring up a number of different places in the Bible. The context that might be the most familiar to you is the Book of Job.
0: In that story,
1: Satan is depicted as a member of God's heavenly court, who, is, who becomes sort of a fallen angel And the character in this story is similar. He clearly knows God and knows Scripture, and in this story, the devil quotes Scripture to Jesus, even as he offers him temptations. So this devil is familiar with God and familiar with God's power, but wants to see if he can cause it to be used for evil rather than for good. The devil in this context is a sort of literary device that brings to life the struggle between good and evil in the world. And if you do not wish to buy into the visuals of horns and pitchforks with relation to the devil, here you have something else. This is supposed to be for us a way of tapping into the idea that there is evil out in the world and we have to contend with it so we must have a way to talk about it in job's tale god's or job i'm sorry in job's tale job's goodness and job's faithfulness is deeply tested by the devil the satan the adversary but god's goodness ultimately prevails and in this story we read this morning That same Satan, that same character is present and preys upon Jesus in this story in the wilderness. And this begs the question of why? Why does God allow this to happen? Not only does it happen to Job, but why does this happen to Jesus? And the answer again seems to be that this is what life is like in the world. Human beings, All will face testing and temptation in the world. That is just one of the facts of life. And if we are going to claim that Jesus really understands what it is to be human, if we are going to call him fully God and fully human, then testing and temptation have got to be a part of his story. So the story continues... In Matthew's much longer version, with these three very tangible, descriptive accounts of the temptations of Jesus, what the devil says to him. First, Jesus is told, turn these stones into bread if you are hungry. Prove to me that you can do that, that God is with you. Throw yourself off this high tower and force the angels to rescue you before you hit the ground. Show that God loves you that much. Worship me, says the devil. Worship me, not God, and the whole world will be yours right now with no struggle. Take that shortcut. It can be done. These are the temptations that are offered to Jesus. Theologians throughout time have noted in this that there is a distinction between what we might call temptation and what we also might call testing. These two things are not quite the same. For the devil, this wilderness time is an opportunity to tempt Jesus, to try to get him to use his power, God's power, improperly in order to chase greed and power, in order to take a shortcut to glory. But these are temptations that go the wrong way. For God, rather than being temptations, these are tests. They are opportunities to meet the choices that are a part of life in the world and to choose reliance on God And in so doing, to be on the road to building a stronger life of faith. In the same way that parents grant greater freedoms to children as they grow, God provides these tests, even to Jesus, to lead him toward a life not of empty shortcuts and material pleasures, but of faith in things that matter and last. This is the kind of character Jesus will need in the challenging days of his ministry ahead. And in the same way, we need these kinds of tests, this kind of internal strengthening, in order to lead principled and character-driven lives. And like this story, most any challenge that meets any of us in life can be looked at either as a temptation to shortcuts and selfishness, or they can be tests that might lead us to greater inner spiritual strength. That's what I believe is going on in these stories. Now, Mark's version of the story is much, much shorter. It doesn't have any of the three specific temptations, but all of the same elements are there. Jesus is driven into the wilderness for a long period of time. There is temptation and there is testing. There is references that remind us that the people of Israel once walked this road as well, 40 years in the wilderness. The reality of evil and the greater goodness of God are both there, as we see at the end of the story, the comfort that is provided to Jesus by the angels. And so in just two verses, and even without the specifics, Mark gets his point across as well. Wilderness time is important, and the struggle to spiritual maturity is important as well. Now I'm not sure why, given all this background, but I remember reading this story as a young person, as a child in Sunday school. I remember hearing it and imagining that everything associated with this story was bad. The devil, the temptations, the hunger, all bad. But the more I reflect on it now, the more I see the graces that are present in this story. It is a story all about the hardships and choices that are inevitably a part of life. And it is a story that reassures us that God wants to guide us through these struggles into a life of faithful living, directed toward things that matter. And wilderness, wilderness too, is not at all a bad thing, though it usually feels that way when you're in it. All of us at times experience wilderness periods of life, where we wander a bit in search of what we're supposed to be doing next, unsure of what choice we're supposed to make. And this story suggests that even though we may not always know it at the time, God is near, perhaps nearest to us in those wilderness times. When we are not able to struggle all on our own, and when God is preparing us for what lies ahead. (coughs) This story is about Jesus' spiritual development. And the last thing I'll note about it is that it takes time. Whenever the number 40 is used in the Bible, it's a pretty good indication that something lasted a long time for So for those among you who may be currently facing a season in life in which you are feeling tempted or tested or where you are wandering in search of what you should do next, and if it feels like it's been lasting a long time, know that you are in good company, including Jesus, And that God walks with us in these seasons, even when they last a long time, even when it is hard to know it. One of the primary purposes of the church, of all of us together, is to be about the work of guiding one another through spiritual wilderness already in our congregation, but more coming up in the season of Lent and increasingly throughout this year, we plan to get more explicit about the ways we can help you be aware of this part of your spiritual journey. Ways we can help you be intentional about it so that wilderness is not something that is just happening to you, but so that you might feel driven to it and led through it as Jesus was, and so that you might sense God's presence even more in the midst of the struggle. That journey, as most, begins with prayer, which is what Jesus is doing out there in the wilderness, and something that he does throughout his ministry to renew his spiritual strength. I know because I spend time talking to you that many of you are experiencing some kind of wilderness even today. And so I'm going to invite us to close today by praying together. Let us pray. Gracious God, be present with us here together and with each one of us as we struggle with temptation and testing and wilderness in life. Perhaps even today, people here right now are feeling tempted by greed or pride or addiction or some other shortcut to happiness that will most likely lead to greater misery. Help us, God. Guide us, keep us from harm, give us strength. Temptations will come in life, O God, but help us to receive them, to meet them, to deal with them. We need not rely on our own strength, but we can pray for strength from you to see us through it. And then we might discover that there was more goodness and depth of character in our hearts than we first realized. And we might, through you, grow and increase in wisdom as Jesus did. You are with us in the wilderness times of life, O God. Help us to know it. If we are wandering in these days, help us to find our way. Help us to renew our sense of purpose and to be guided by you. Even as we struggle, help us to live generously. For our own happiness is usually found in helping someone else. Perhaps we have been in the wilderness for a long time. Help us to be gentle and patient with ourselves and to remember that you are with us. We know that the path to joy is not a quick one, but that you are there wanting good things for us. We thank you, God. Amen.